You're listening to the Home Staging Show podcast. I'm your host, Cindy Lin. This is a show where we talk about all things real estate, home staging, and selling your home to live and to sell. Welcome back to the show. This is episode 141. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Home Staging Show. So, congratulations to the winner from last month's monthly challenge. And we have a new staging challenge that started for this month, and you can win a $100 gift certificate for our shop. So if you're interested in submitting your home staging project before and after and possibly getting featured as well, just go to our website at stagingawards.com slash challenge to find out more information about this month's theme. Today, I'm really excited to have Nikki on the show. She is an amazing expert on sales. And I know this is something a lot of you have been struggling with because I get a lot of DMs asking about sales in terms of how to work with clients, how to get more staging clients, et cetera, et cetera. And we're actually going to have Nikki to be teaching a live workshop on this exact topic in our school on October 20th. So it's going to be an online workshop since everything we do is pretty much virtual. So you can find out more information about the workshop when you go to our website at stagemark.com and you can sign up there as well. This is a live workshop. So we're going to give you time to actually work on specific things within your marketing. And there's going to be exercises from Nikki as well so that you can immediately apply and also get feedback after our break within the workshop. So I think it's a really good opportunity for you to kind of really refine your sales skills we are experimenting different course format as well. And so one of the things we wanted to do is doing live workshops. is you can get immediate feedback. So it's a little bit different than on-demand courses because those feedback are usually not as immediate. And usually you just have discussion in the course platform and then people answer your Q&A, that kind of thing. So we thought having a live workshop would be interesting because it would be a different dynamic. So a little bit about Nikki. She's a CEO of Sales Maven, as an organization that is dedicated to authentic selling. Nikki has the unique ability to transform the misunderstood process of selling. With 25 years of experience selling to such prestigious organizations such as Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Hewitt Packer, and NASA, Nikki has shattered sales record in many industries. She has received multiple top producer awards along the way. Today, entrepreneurs and small business owners from a wide range of disciplines have hired Nikki to show them how to sell successfully and authentically without being pushy or salesy. An engaging and sought-after speaker, she shares the secrets of her sales success through illuminating keynote addresses and business-changing workshops. Her robust salesman society ignites game-changing outcomes for her clients. Nikki's three popular books are also available on Amazon. And her podcast, Sales Maven, can be also found on your favorite podcast platform. So yeah, so that's a little bit something about Nikki today. One of the things I really enjoy speaking with Nikki was that I think she really approaches from an organic point of view. So it's not a super salesy kind of conversation. It's really more about how do you establish relationship with your home staging client, which I obviously I'm a really fan of. I think that kind of old school, like sell, 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 you know, always be selling kind of thing. Well, that is still true in some aspect, but I think that mentality of that hard sell 
is really over. Especially, I think with today's millennial, who is really a growing population in terms of buying power, they really influence the way we sell and then the way people buy as well. And people are definitely more into the experience and having the connections and also finding out the person behind the brand and the values that those brands stand for. So this is why I thought having Nikki, it's an amazing opportunity to have her on the podcast and also chat about this topic. All right, so let's start the show. Hi, Nikki. Welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you on the show because I think selling is a very important part of running a home staging business, but many people actually dread it. I think especially creative professionals. So before we get started today, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you get into helping people upping their sales game and feeling confident doing it? Well, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am a professional salesperson by trade. I was in technology sales for 17 years. I've managed a sales team. And in addition to my sales background, I'm also a master certified practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming. And if that's a new term to anybody listening, it's really the study of communication. So how you process information in your brain, the language piece, you know, how you speak to others, how they speak to you, any internal dialogue you've got going on, and then habits and patterns. And so I show up now in my own business and teach people how to have more effective sales conversations using my background in sales and in addition to my NLP skills. And I really kind of got into this business of teaching people about sales conversations because I was networking and meeting a lot of really cool entrepreneurs. And I just found over and over and over again, they really struggled with sales conversation because nobody had really ever taught them how to have a sales conversation. How do you move somebody from an initial conversation to get to the place where you'll actually lay out a proposal? And then what do you say to close that business? So that's what I specialize now in. And I teach a five-step approach to sales called the Selling Staircase. That's amazing. So can you talk a little bit about that five-step process? So it really is about the conversation that you're having with a prospective client. And this could be a live conversation. This could be something you're having over email, DM, whatever. So step one in the five steps is the introduction. This is when they're being introduced to you, you being introduced to them. And the objective of step one is to make a powerful first impression. So to set yourself up as a credible resource in some way about whatever your expertise is. Step two in the selling staircase is to create curiosity. This, by the way, is the most missed step in the selling process because most people don't think about, oh, it's my job to create curiosity. Like I've got to draw people in to me so that I can have real business conversations with prospective buyers. So when you create curiosity, the objective is for somebody to want more and to ask questions so that we're having a real conversation with somebody. We're not just talking at people all day. We're talking with them. And I can dig into as deep as you want to go in any of these steps. So I'm just going to go through them and then you can 
tell me what you want to do from there. But step three, once you've created curiosity, the next logical step is to have that discovery discussion, find out what's the problem, what's the need, what's the want, and then ask very strategic questions that lead people down the path to going like, Oh, Cindy has something that I need, I want to hire her. So I'm interested to know, like, what can she do? Or what solution would she offer to me? Once you've done that, you now move to step four in the selling staircase, which is the proposal piece. And proposal doesn't necessarily mean a formal proposal. It could, depending on your business. But oftentimes, it's just laying out ways for people to work with you in a really clear, succinct way that makes it easy for them to make a decision. So that leads step four and step five work really well together because Step four is proposal and step five is close. And the close is actually issuing the close language. This is the second most missed step in the selling staircase. Because oftentimes we lay out a proposal and then we go like, okay, let me know what you think. It's like, no, you have to actually issue close language so that somebody can make a decision. Oftentimes they won't decide to hire you or to take that next step with you if you haven't issued close language. So I teach everything in depth of all of those steps to get people really comfortable and confident in that sales conversation. I love that. I think you do have to convey that intrigue and tease people to find out more about you, your company and your services. Because to clients who don't know anything about you, you're just like any other stager down the street, right? So right. there needs to be a very strong differentiation, like maybe yes. it's branding, the way you stage, the way you deliver the service as well. So, and I love you brought up the point about people not using the closing language. I actually gave a talk this morning to a bunch of stagers about dealing with client objection. And a lot of it is language. Like people are yes. giving wishy-washy language, like, Oh, what do you think of my proposal? What is the client going to say, right? They're not going to say much. But if you make it more active, mm-hmm. here's a proposal. We got an opening next Thursday or next Tuesday. Which one would you prefer? And I think right. there's an action attached to that question. It's more likely people are going to be like, oh, okay, we're going to choose a Thursday date. Exactly. I totally agree with that 100%. Being able to put real choice in front of a client so that they can make a decision is your job. That's one of the ways you earn somebody's business. Yeah. So what are some other missteps that you notice when it comes to the sales process? You mentioned not having the closing language. Are there any other things or the biggest misconception that people may have about selling? Well, I think one of the biggest misconceptions or one of the big mistakes that people often make is that they skip steps in the selling process. So they meet somebody and they go right in for the sale. Well, that's when people go like, oh, this feels icky or it feels salesy or it feels off in some way. And it's usually because the seller or the person who's trying to earn the business has skipped over some steps. And if you skip steps in the selling process, you leave the prospect feeling confused or sometimes unsure of like, I don't know what to do now. Or sometimes, frankly, angry. They feel annoyed by the way you're selling to them. So skipping steps is one of those things I always say, like you as the seller do not get to skip steps. And if you're skipping steps right now, like if you heard me lay out these five steps and you're like, I don't know if I know how to create curiosity. Well, chances are you're missing this step. And because you're missing it, you're missing out on potential clients that you could be working with. Or you're getting people all the way down to the process of like proposal and they're not ready for it yet because you didn't do your job to create curiosity. 
And so this missing like skipping steps is a big mistake. And then I'm going to just give one little exception to like skipping steps because I always think it's important to like, what's the counter to this? The only time that you would skip steps in the sales process is if the client or the prospect skips the steps. They can skip as many steps as they want. Like somebody can come right up to you and say, Cindy, I heard that talk. I want to hire you. I'm in. I don't want you to go like, whoa, slow your roll there, mister. Let's jump back to step one. No, you take the order. Like you take the sale. So the client can skip steps, but you don't get to skip steps in the selling process. And so knowing, understanding what step am I on, And what do I say or do next to make it easy for the client to move to the next step with me? I think that's great. I think most people, when they think about sales, they really think about the last two steps, right? Proposal and then are you going to buy or not? Yeah. So I think the first three are actually very important. But I think a lot of women, especially, and also creatives, they feel very uneasy about the selling process. Like you talk about feeling icky earlier from a consumer Mm -hmm. side. And yeah. I think a lot of business owners feel hesitant of them coming off as that icky salesperson. Yes. So how do we overcome this mindset block that prevents us from going after the business? Well, here's a couple little food for thought. So we'll see what you think about this. It's very, very common, especially for women to go like, oh, I don't really want to be seen as a salesperson because it feels gross and it feels icky. And what I will say is sales is not about you. It's about the prospect. It's about the client. And so I think because we've all been on the receiving end of having sales done to us horribly, that we get a little bit of like, "Ah, I feel a little nervous about this. But I'm going to say the switch here is that sales actually is not something that you do to somebody. Sales is something you do with somebody. And when you start approaching the conversation and the relationship that this is a collaboration, and then we're both here to determine whether or not we're a good fit. And if we're not a good fit, we're going to bless and release and move on. No hard feelings. But the objective here is to find out like, do I have something that would benefit you in some way? And here's another kind of like misconception about sales that I think leaves people feeling like, ooh, I don't want to sell, is that somewhere some mindset thing got in or somebody told you your job is to convince people to buy from you. And that's wrong. Your job is not to convince anybody to buy. Your job is to understand what's their need and then deliver a solution to meet that needs. That's your job. And so you have to earn somebody's business, but it's not about convincing anybody. If somebody doesn't have a need, if somebody's not interested in hearing what it is that you offer, you're wasting your time, you're wasting their time. And frankly, you're probably making yourself feel like, oh, I'm not good at sales. Because you got to sell to the person who has a need, who has a want, who's interested in having a conversation with you. So those are kind of some of the misconceptions about sales. And so the idea is start approaching sales from this perspective of, hey, I'm curious. I'm just here to learn about you. What's your need? What's your want? And then with your permission... I will offer you a solution. I won't offer you a solution without your permission. I'm not going to just come up to you on the street and be like, Hey, Cindy, I looked at your website. You know, you should change this and you should change that and you should change this offer. And you're going to be like, Hey, crazy lady, you don't know me. You don't know my business. Don't tell me what to do. 
And I think that's where people have been trained, like that's how you're supposed to sell. And that's not true. I totally agree. It just reminds me of that movie that every real estate agent, especially guy real estate agent loves with Alec Baldwin. What is it? Glenn something. Glenn Gary, Ross. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And then he's always like, ABC, always be selling. Yeah. I remember that part. You didn't earn your coffee today. Did you earn your coffee? That was pretty funny. Yeah. I think that's very um, so yeah. old style sales, right? Like anybody who says like, I'm a salesperson, my job is to hunt the big game. And like, I come from a very male dominated industry. So I get that attitude, but I just think we're over it. As a society, we are over people being the hard, pushy salesperson and telling people like, your job is to like shame people into buying you. And if they say no, you make them feel bad about themselves. It's like, no, that doesn't work. We're so over that. Yeah, I think today, especially with the millennials, they're definitely rejecting that kind of sales strategy. Social proof is very important for them. Mm -hmm. They definitely want to be able to experience the service, everything, you know, they don't really want to be sold to. They're not into that hard sell anymore. They want the relationship building. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been treated like this, but I hate when people treat me like I'm a wallet, right? Like, oh, here's a wallet in front of me and I'm just trying to get my hand into the wallet. Like that feels horrible. I really only, I always say I vote with my wallet. Then I only buy from people who treat me like I'm a person. I matter. They have to seem somewhat engaged and interested in solving my problem or meeting my need. Otherwise, I have zero interest in doing business with that person. And I refuse to give my money to somebody who treats me like a wallet. Exactly. I think consumers, they're very smart. They can really differentiate product placement and also being heart sold to. So I always think that relationship building is really important and having that organic relationship as well with your customer. Typical service businesses, it's not like buying a pair of socks at Target, right? It's not a $5 decision. For someone to invest in staging is several thousand dollars usually. So you need to have that time to really work it, to really make the client understand where you're coming from and then helping them understand how your staging service can help them resolve an issue, which is selling the house quickly, right? Yeah, right. And also show them showing up from this place of... I'm not going to talk over you. I'm not going to belittle you. I'm not going to answer every question that you never asked. My job is not to educate you about everything to do with my business and home staging. My job is to find out what's your need? Do I have a solution for you? And put it in a way that's palatable that allows for you to go yes or no. Yeah, exactly. And I think the other part of not feeling confident about sales, it's maybe because someone is shy or they're young. I use this example a lot. When I first started staging, I was in my mid-20s. I was very Mm -hmm. self-conscious about who I was. I feel like I didn't get enough education. I just feel really young in general. And so before I sent on my staging proposal, I'll actually knock a couple hundred dollars down because I feel like I was too expensive. And actually a client called me out on it. And he was like, I think you're doing a great job, but I think you also need to give yourself a pay raise. And I realized I was actually undercharging. And I know a lot of stagers, especially new stagers, may feel similarly. You know, they may struggle with this as well. And so I think a big part of the lack of confidence in others is really about not knowing if we're charging correctly. So how can we feel confident about our work, especially when we're new? Maybe we're not 
really understanding how much profit margin is or what is the market rate right now? How can we go out and ask for business with confidence? Well, there's a couple things to answer that. First is chances are if you're just starting out, you are undercharging for your work, right? Like that's kind of the... We all have been there. But instead of like beating yourself up about like, ah, I'm undercharging and I don't feel confident, reframe that for yourself and say, I'm starting out and I'm testing the market. And so give yourself some type of a goal. So for me, a lot of times, if I'm going to test something in the market... I might offer it at a certain price. And then I have a rule for myself that as soon as I sell three to five, depends on what it is and what the price point is. As soon as I get three to five people to say yes, I raise my price. And then I get three to five more people to say yes, and I raise my price again. And I'll just keep doing that until I get to the place where I'm like, this is totally working. And sometimes I'll do small $100 price increases. And sometimes I'll do big thousands of dollar price increases. But you have to be able to say your price. You have to be able to get it out of your mouth. And if you're fumbling over your saying it to somebody because you're like, I don't feel confident in doing it. Well, here's another thing is don't show up without some type of a price list or without some type of a scope of work with a pricing on it already. So all you have to do is slide it across the table and say, here's my price to somebody. And then when you're talking about your price, you always want to be really careful about not putting a qualifier in front of the word price. So a qualifier is something that diminishes. When you qualify your price, you're basically saying like, let's negotiate. So a qualifier might be like, well, your price is... No, just say the price is. Instead of saying, well, today's price is... No the prices. So just say your price. And then when you say your price, you do have to say it with congruency in your voice. And one of the ways to make your voice congruent... So this is if you're actually having a live conversation with somebody, right? Is you need to curl your voice down at the end of your sentence instead of curling it up. When you feel unsure, you talk like this. You say the prices and you sound like are you sure that's the price? So instead, when you say the price is $8,000. So you hear I curl it down versus... So the price is $8,000. That's the difference. You have to curl your voice down when you talk about your price. Stand in your place of credibility. Chances are, even if you're just starting out, you have some level of expertise or you have a creative spark that the other person doesn't have. You know something about home staging that they don't know. So stand in your place of credibility. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to be the most experienced person, but stand in your own credibility. You know what you know. Give your price and say it confidently. I love that. I love everything you just said, Thank especially you. with the tone as well. I think most of us do it unconsciously. Oh, mm-hmm. so here's my proposal. You know, that <laughs> yes. right away, people are like, are you not sure about what you're charging? And so, yeah. yeah, I do think that makes a huge difference. And I can definitely see your NLP background with the language and then the word and diction as well. I think it's actually yeah. very, very helpful. I think it's really about how we exude confidence and we don't feel confident or we feel awkward about the money conversation. The client's going to feel very awkward about it as well because we're going to sound unsure in our voice and in the way we present it. That was a really good point. Your price today 
No, just say your price. That makes it much, much, much more confident when it comes across. Yeah. The other thing too, is that when you're talking about like that confidence, remember that people want to buy from experts, right? Like I don't want to go out and give my hard-earned dollars to somebody who's like, Mm, maybe I can show up on time. Maybe I can stage this. Maybe I can deliver. No, we want to buy from people who are like, I will show up on time. I will stage this and I will absolutely deliver for you. So there might be a part of you that's kind of shaking inside like a leaf, right? Like we've all been there. I'm still there. Like I still have these moments of unsure. My job is to make it as easy as possible for the client to get what it is that they want or need. And people want to buy from experts. So when I speak, I have to speak from a place of expertise. Now, I don't talk about things I don't know. So in no way am I saying, don't be out of integrity. Don't say you can do something if you know you can't. Or if you're like... I probably can't do that. Well, don't say you can. But speak from a place of integrity. And remember... Your job is to make it easy for people to make a decision, yes or no, to hire you. And they want to buy from experts. Be the expert on what it is that you know and what you do and what you deliver and speak from that place so that they feel confident in their purchasing decision. Because the worst thing ever is to like go home after spending some money and be like, probably shouldn't have done that. (laughs) Like we don't want them having buyer's remorse. No, that's a really good point. And then earlier you mentioned about price increase. So I think in terms of price increase, it could be really tricky. But sometimes if it's a small adjustment, people are okay with it. Let's say you just raise your price for $1,000. How do you deliver that to your client? Well, if I have quoted a price to somebody, they're going to get that price. Unless I need to let them know, like maybe I have an existing client who's been buying at a certain price point and now it's time to say like the price is going up or the price has gone up. So one of the biggest mistakes that people make when they're raising their price is they think one, I have to tell everybody, no, you only have to tell the people who it's going to impact them directly. You can raise your price right now on your website and you don't have to tell anybody if nobody's buying from you right now because they didn't know what the old price was. So you don't have to make these big grand announcements and you don't ever have to justify your price either. Which by the way, if you start telling a big story as to why you're increasing your price, you've put yourself on your back foot and you're kind of in a place where now people can negate your story, argue your story, tell you why your story is wrong. So instead, when you have a price increase, you just say to the client, you know, I want to let you know how much I appreciate your business and would love to continue to earn it. As of September 1st, the price for this service is whatever it is, you say this new price, please reach out to me with any questions. That's all you have to say when you raise your price. Now, if you quoted somebody a price, and they come back and they're like, well, last time you told me it was this price, then you can decide in that moment as a business owner, do you want to honor the price that you gave them before? Do you want to say, I want to let you know that the price, by the way, even if you're going to honor the old price, make sure they know what the new price is. So I do want to let you know that as of September 1st, the pricing did go up to this. I am happy to honor this price for you for this first time. And we'll show you what a great job I'm going to do and continue to earn your business going forward. 
you just stand in that place of credibility and you talk about, again, you talk about price like you're talking about the time of day or the weather. Doesn't matter. But it is what it is. It's the time is the time and the weather is the weather. None of us can change it. I love that. The other thing I come across really often, actually, when I was working is that prospective client always call to get a ballpark for mm-hmm. the staging service, right? But oftentimes I realize when I send out a proposal, the client only remembered the lower part of the ballpark. Mm-hmm. So what do you do in that situation? Do I give them a higher ballpark so that they're like, oh, it's actually less than what she quoted? How do we handle this? So I would give them a range. First of all, I'm going to say I am adamant and feel really strongly about listing pricing on your website. I think it's a huge advantage to your business. And I think it's a huge advantage if you don't. So I'm okay with like being really candid about pricing. Now, maybe with staging, it could depend on the job and how many rooms and like there's probably a lot of factors that go into that. So I would make sure that I would say a project like yours is going to range between $5,000 and $8,000. At $8,000, here's what you're going to get. So you're going to give a range and then you're going to explain at the higher price all that's going to be included in there. And then it would step down from there based on your needs. So explain what they get at the higher price. So now they're not going to come back and be like, well, I want all those things for $5,000. No, you are super clear. So there shouldn't be any misunderstanding about this is why this is 8,000. Now, if you're finding that all the time you're quoting low and you're going back in and the jobs are higher, don't underquote and then have to come back and give them like a, a higher price. You know, in sales and a lot of things in life, they always say like under promise, over deliver. But if you're over promising and then under delivering, that's how the client's going to feel if you're always quoting low and then having to go back in and say, well, I know I said it could start at 5,000, but it's 10,000. That's too big of a range. Like you got to get better at quoting. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think that is a really good way of, I think you have to set that client expectation, right? That makes sense. You need to explain the range. So for $5,000, you get X, Y, Z, but for 8,000, you get more premium service, more white glove or whatever it is that you include. Because I do think when clients hear the number, they always hear the lower number. They don't hear the higher number. But once you start explaining that it deepens their impression in terms of what they're getting. And the other thing is you always want to explain what they get for the higher price and then work your way down. So this is what's known as top-down selling. You would say, so the price is going to range between $5,000 and $8,000. At $8,000, you're going to get the white glove. You're going to get the premium. You're going to get all these great things. And then you know a step down from there is this package and this one's going to be $6,500. And then at $5,000, you're going to get this. So you always start... by explaining what they get for the bigger, more expensive thing. And the reason for that is people don't like to have things taken away. And if you start at the bottom and then work your way up, if you say, here's what you get for $5,000, here's where you get for $6,500, and here's what you get for $8,000, more than likely people are going to always pick the $5,000 because they're like, I don't really want to pay more. But if you start at the $8,000 and work your way down, they're like, I don't want to give those things up. So I'm going to pay the higher price. So it's not that we're trying to be in any way like out of integrity with anybody. It's just we're trying to allow them to 
pick the best choice for them. And as humans, we don't like things taken away from us. So you start at the top and you work your way down. And you will notice in your sales, people are going to pick the higher premium packages more than the lower price package. I love that. That's a really good trick. I also feel like when it comes to sales or any type of client relationship, there is a power dynamic, right? Sometimes a lot of times people do feel like we need to bend over for the client. I think also if the FOMO comes in, right? Their fear of missing mm-hmm. out on the job. So yes. naturally people are a little bit lower. They want to appease the client. So how can we increase our influence in our client conversations? Well, one is remember that there does always need to be a balance of power in the client relationship because if the client holds all the power, if you're the one like, I'm going to bend over backwards, I'm going to do everything, then what happens is people will start to take advantage of that. It's human nature, frankly. On the flip side, if you're the person who holds all the power in the conversation or in the relationship with the client, they'll go find somebody else to work with because it feels wrong to them. So we want to always continue to balance out the power. So for instance, here's one way to balance power. If somebody comes and says, you know, Cindy, I'd really like to work with you. And my budget is this, like, is there any chance that you could do this thing for me at a little bit of a lower price? Now you, Cindy, you get to decide, do I want to take that job? Do I want to earn this business? Yes or no. But you don't just say yes you've got to get something in return in order to balance out the dynamic in the relationship. Because if you are just saying, yes, I'll discount my price. Yes, I'll do this extra thing for you. It has no value. But if you instead say to them, you know, I am willing to take this job at this price. If you would be willing to do X, Y, and Z for me, or if you'd be willing to pay it all up front or whatever you want, but there needs to be some kind of you got to get something back in return so that it has value, whatever you just gave up. Otherwise, Cindy's just a pushover and we're just going to always be beating her up about price because she'll come off her price every time. Don't be that version. No, I totally agree. I do agree with you as well. I do think client can sense it and they will take advantage. Yeah, It's not that they're bad people. I think it's human nature. And I also think that Like I just expect every time I hand out a proposal, people are going to bargain. They're just going to ask, you know, what does it say? It never hurts to ask, right? So people are going to ask because maybe you will say, yes, yeah, yeah, I'll give you a $500 discount. People are like, we never know. So they are going to ask. We need to build that into our process that how do we deal with this kind of pricing objection? And I will say that I actually teach buying signals. My second book is about buying signals. And... I always say when somebody asks you for a discount, it's a buying signal. And your answer does not have to be yes. And as a matter of fact, if somebody asks me for a discount, there are certain things that I absolutely do not discount. So for instance, I don't discount my VIP packages. And if somebody said to me, Nikki, you know, I'd really like to work with you, but is there any chance you would discount your VIP package? My answer is going to be, thank you so much for asking for what it is that you want. I don't offer a discount on the VIP package. And yet I would love to earn your business. Would you like to sign up for that? I'm going to say no. And I'm going to issue an invitation to continue to work with me because like what you just said, Cindy, like we've trained people in our society that things go on sale. It's better to ask all of that kind of stuff. It's also okay to say, thank you for asking. I don't offer a discount on this. And I'd like to earn your business. Would you like to move forward with working with me? 
I love that. I also think it's a matter of reframing our mindset, right? Because we always think client objection is negative, but I actually think it's opportunity because oh, totally. if they don't care about you. Yeah, they, they don't care. They don't want to work with you. Why would they come back and say, hey, X, Y, and Z, right? It's because they're interested. So it's actually, yeah. like you said, it's a buying signal. And I also think that there's a stereotype about sales that if you're good at selling, you must be an extroverted person. But actually, how can people like us, like who are introverted or very young, they're shy, how can we connect with our potential clients? So just to be really clear, I also fall on the introverted side of the scale. Most people are surprised by that, but I I actually can be very shy. And I feel I'm the kind of person who likes to be alone and, you know, is happy by myself. And like, I'm very introverted. So I have been very successful in sales. And I'll tell you that I think everything that we're talking about and what I teach is relationship first, rapport always. So your job is to build rapport with the person that you're in conversation with and make it easy, make it about them, focus it on them. Because as an introvert, it's so much easier when the focus is on the other person. So most, especially extroverts, they love when the focus is about them. They love when everything's about them. So make it about them. Stop making it about you and how you feel and what you're thinking and what are they thinking about me and just show up from a place of service. I'm here to be of service to this person. I'm here to offer them a solution and I'm gonna ask for their business. And if they decline, great. I'm gonna bless and release and move on to the next potential client. And if they say, yes, great, I'm going to deliver, I'm going to knock their socks off and they're going to become a customer for life. I love that. I also love the way you say bless and release. I think it's a very positive way of letting go of someone who's not your client at the moment. I think there is that FOMO. It's like, oh my God, I need the staging job. Then you become desperate. Maybe you didn't intentionally you know, come off that way, but you can come off that way. So then the client taking advantage. Yeah. You know, you said this too, like it's human nature that we can sometimes if we feel like, oh, I can get one over on this person. And I always refer back to, I know this is going to, for the young people, like this sounds like a long time ago, but in the nineties, there were a couple studies that were done. One was about parking spaces. And so I'll relate this back to the, what we're talking about here, but they did a study that in a really busy parking lot, if nobody was waiting for your parking spot, the person who like went to their car, got in their car, they actually exited the spot twice as fast as if somebody was waiting for the parking spot. If somebody's waiting for that parking spot in a busy parking lot, people would take double the amount of time to get out of the parking spot than if nobody was waiting. It's a little bit of human nature and we bring it out in people. Sometimes it's like, you know, you might not want to admit that you have a little bit of this in you, but there are certain instances like we all have a little bit of this in us. So we don't want to trigger this in the people that we're in conversation with. We don't want to act like you've got the only parking spot. And if I don't get it, like, oh my gosh, I'm so desperate for your parking spot. And people are going to be like, you want my parking spot? Well, you're going to wait because I'm going to do this and I'm going to make you jump through this soup and I'm going to bubble. Nope. If that's not the spot for me, I'm going to keep looking. I'm not going to sit here and like, you know, jump through hoops to get your parking spot. So don't treat clients like 
you're the only parking spot because they're not. There's plenty of clients out there for you. If this isn't the right one, doesn't make them a bad person and doesn't in any way have anything to do with your character either. You're not a bad person if you don't earn this person's business. Bless and release and move on. I love that. I'm a single woman. This reminds me a lot like dating also. Yes. (laughs) So true. We can relate it into all these different areas of our life for sure. Yeah. And then we talked about buying signal earlier. So we talked about one. What are some other common buying signal that we can notice? So there's 17 buying signals that I teach in the book. Some of the more missed ones, which I'm going to give you a really obvious one, which is people asking for your pricing. Now you might be like, well, of course that's a buying signal, duh. But here's where people drop the ball is they give the price, but they don't follow up with an invitation to work with you. So if somebody asks you about your price, I want you to give the price and then I want you to issue the ask. So in this particular case, if you say, hey, Nikki, what does it cost to be a member of your sales maven society? I want you to say... Well, not you, because it was me in this in this particular case in the example. So I would say it's $147 a month. Would you like to be a member? I'm going to issue that invitation. I'm not going to just say the price. So pricing, somebody asking about price, huge buying signal. Here's another one that oftentimes is missed is people giving you a compliment about your business or about something that you do that relates back to your business. So if somebody were to give you a compliment, for instance, they say, you know, I walked through a house recently and your card was there that you had staged it. Man, that was so beautiful. And you go, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I want you to go, not just thank you so much. I appreciate it. I want you to go, hey, is this a buying signal? Because it might be. I want you to say, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Now, is there ever an opportunity that you would need help with home staging or know somebody that would follow up with that invitation that ask and see what happens. Because oftentimes people will be like, Oh, you know, my friend is a real estate agent one town over. And she was just saying the other day, she needs somebody to help her with this house. Great. Would you be willing to make an introduction on my behalf? Like, keep that conversation going and see what happens. Be willing to check out these initial like compliments and go, Hey, this might be a buying signal. So just to be really clear, buying signals are verbal and nonverbal cues that people give that indicate interest. And your job is always to act on it. Even if it turns out that they're like, no, I just was telling you that your staging job was beautiful. It doesn't have to be a thing. It doesn't have to be awkward. Now you just continue on with the conversation like, Oh, okay. Well, So what have you been up to lately? Like you just changed the subject if you need to. It's fine. But check out every single potential buying signal and see what happens. Your business will increase. I love that. I think that's something a lot of people do miss. And then I think follow-up is a huge thing because a lot of times people are like, Cindy, you told me to go make presentations at offices, but I don't get any leads from it. So I always be like, well, did you follow up? Oh yeah, I follow up with an email. I'm like, no, that's not a real follow-up. You need to follow up with the individual person or send an email, but follow up with a phone call so that they know who you are. Because email today really is like a junk mail. It's super easy. Just swipe it and then it goes straight into the trash can on your phone. So mm-hmm. it's very easily ignored or maybe Gmail for some reason, sort it into a junk mail, whatever it is, people may not get it at all. So calling actually... Or just, you know, seeing them at a networking event, sometimes actually the best way for you to keep connecting with the client. 
And I will also say to add to what you just said, I agree 100% is schedule times to meet with people, get on their calendar, get them on your calendar. So if you see somebody at a networking event and they're like, Hey, Cindy, it's so great to see you. I know at some point we're going to work together. Like that's a buying signal, by the way. And then I want you to say, well, let's schedule a time just to connect and see how can I serve you? You know, I have my calendar right here. Can we get on each other's calendars? And then get on her calendar, get on him or her calendar. Then when that time comes, now you've actually got some scheduled focused time with them to have a real conversation, to build rapport, to build relationship and see how can you be a resource to them right now? Because they might have a big project that they need your help with. They wouldn't have thought to ask you about it, but hey, it came up two days ago and you scheduled the call seven days ago and now you're going to earn that business. Yeah, exactly. So I know you're a big fan of using speaking engagement to get new clients. So can we talk a little bit more about that? What are some effective strategies to use to get clients out of the speaking engagement? One of the most effective ways to get a client out of speaking engagement is to not just deliver your content, but pepper it with stories about successes, ways that clients have worked with you. So for instance, if I'm going to teach about buying signals, I'm not going to just teach the buying signals, right? I'm going to plant some seeds is really what I teach and what I call it. Which by the way, when you asked me, Cindy, about a buying signal, like I referred back to my book, right? There are 17 buying signals my book. That's me planting a seed for somebody to go like, "Mm, maybe I need to go read that book. Like, Oh, I'm going to go check it out. So I don't just say like, here's like, you asked me a question. I don't just give the answer. I'll give some kind of like a plant seed. So for instance, I might say, you know, you're talking about home staging and you're saying, when you're laying out your proposal for home staging, you want it to lay out like this. Okay. Or I know you had mentioned you just gave a presentation about objections. So if I'm talking about an objection, then you might say, you know, for instance, I had a client who recently got this objection. And what we worked on was what's the response? And then the client was able to use that in that conversation and actually earn the business, even though most people would have thought that was a hard no. Right. So now you just give a story about like, oh, I just planted a seed that guess what? You can hire Cindy and she'll teach you these things. So when you speak, you've got to plant some seeds and make sure you leave time for QA at the end. Because QA is another really great time to plant seeds in your answers to questions. So for instance, you're giving a talk and then at the end, somebody asks you a question. I want you to say, here's an example. You could go, that is a great question. It's probably something that needs a little bit of a deeper dive. And it's something you and I could do a strategy session on. I'm going to give you one thing just to get you started right now. So notice how I just planted a seed of like, that's a big question you might want to hire me to do a strategy session to like give you like the full answer. But here's something that will get you started, which implies that there's more. I know more, I have more, I'll give more. But the way to get that is to become a client. I love that. That's amazing. You're leaving breadcrumb, right? Essentially. Leading them to the cookie jar. And that's really what we want. Also, the other thing that I think that's really common in real estate is that people may start a newsletter and they put that box on their website and they completely forgot about it. And then a couple of months later, they realize, oh my God, there's a hundred leads sitting inside. So is it completely hopeless if the client has gone cold? What can we do to warm the clients back up? Offer them something of value, really. 
like reach back out and say, you know, thank you so much for signing up for the newsletter. Here's a little something extra for you. Give them a little something extra and then plant the seed. It could just be in the PS about like ways that you could work together and then follow up a couple of days later with maybe an offer to schedule a time or offer to do a coffee chat or offer to do something that's going to make it really easy for them to take next steps. I will also say one of the best ways to warm up just like cold calls is always to use your network and ask for introductions because I can tell you right now that if you, Cindy, send me an email and say, Hey, Nikki, I want to introduce you to so-and-so, I'm going to pay more attention to that because you and I now have a relationship than if this person just contacts me out of the blue. Like, I don't know them from anybody else. So they're probably not going to get my attention. But if it comes from somebody who I have some kind of a relationship with, I'm much more likely to pay attention. So don't ever be afraid to ask people like, would you be willing to make an introduction on my behalf to so-and-so? Be really clear. By the way, this is not a broadcast message that you send out to your whole list and say like, hey, everybody, would you introduce me to so-and-so? Because everybody's going to ignore it. Send it to one person, have a specific ask and see what happens. I love that. No, I totally agree with that because I used to actually do fundraising for nonprofits before I started staging and doing real estate. And one of the things I learned actually with donors is that you should not send broadcast messages because people would just be like, well, this is for everybody. You're not really speaking to me. Right. But if you reach out to someone on purpose, they feel like they've been heard, they've been seen, and they're more likely to accept your message and your invite for a charity event, which usually results some sort of donation. Yeah. I mean, I say this all the time. I, I have a whole email course. Emails that convert is this course that I teach. And I always say, if you're talking to everybody, you're talking to nobody. So you'll never see an email from me that says, Hey, everybody. Hey, all of you. Because I would say like, none of us read emails as a group. Like I've never sat around in a group and said, let's all open this email and read it together. So stop talking to people like they're reading it in a group session. They're not. They're reading it as a person. So talk to a person and you will get a better response. I love that. So we're coming to the end of our show. So what is the one tip you will give to HomeSager when it comes to getting new home staging clients? Well, the one tip will always be make sure that you're issuing invitations to move to next steps with you. So a lot of people will call it to ask. You do have to ask, but sometimes the invitation isn't like, can I earn your business? Sometimes the next step in the process is, would you be open to having a call to find out more about each other? Could we get that scheduled now on our calendars? So issue invitations because invitations are what lead you up the staircase to get to that place where you can actually earn somebody's business. I love that. Thank you again for being on the show today. That was absolutely amazing. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help and support the show, there are three ways to do so. You can leave a review and rating on iTunes. You can share the show on social media, or you can donate to support the maintaining costs for the podcast. You can make a donation through the show notes or on the sidebar of our site. If you haven't left a review on iTunes, please do so. This will help us grow the show and book more guests. If you have any questions, feedback, and suggestions, you can comment on the show notes. You can also find the show notes by going to stagemore.com slash podcast. That's it. Have a fantastic week and happy staging. Happy staging.